Welcome to Being Pennywise. I'm Alison Porter, founder of Pennywise Consultants. If you're preparing to uncouple through divorce or separation, this podcast is here to help you navigate the process and arrive at a fair outcome, ready to start the next stage of your life. I'll be in conversation with family lawyers and barristers, mediators, divorce coaches and other experts and we'll be sharing their advice and guidance to empower your choices, being wise about your pennies. Hello. Now I've decided that for the very first edition of this podcast, who better to talk to than my old friend James Copson, who apart from being my very first client, also provided the inspiration for my company Pennywise Consultants. James is a highly regarded family lawyer with more than 30 years experience, and I'm sure you're going to find what he has to say invaluable, no matter whether you're a practicing lawyer or someone desperately searching for ways to achieve a fair settlement in your divorce or separation. James's experience spans all areas of family breakdown with a particular emphasis on the resolution of complex financial disputes. He also advises, among other things, on cohabitation claims and private children law matters, but always with an eye to achieving sensible outcomes for his clients. He has particular expertise in Anglo-Italian cases and has also been at the forefront of some leading cases, including the 2003 case of Pierce versus Pierce on how to capitalise maintenance years after divorce, and more recently in Akhmadova versus Akhmadov on the powers of the court in aid of enforcement overseas of the then highest ever contested divorce award. I wanted you to be my first guest, James, because this podcast is here to help listeners navigate the process of divorce and separation to help them arrive at a fair outcome. It was you that helped inspire my decision to create Pennywise. So, hello, James. Hello, and thank you very much, Alison, for that most generous and warm introduction. As you say, I was indeed your very first client. I know. It was 10 years ago now, I think. Probably. Goodness. So on that subject, would you like to fill in the backstory for us here and how our expenditure analysis helped you to achieve a successful outcome in an ad bank case? Well, I acted for a wife who discovered that her husband was running not one but actually two other households. How he managed it is beyond me, but he did. I'd be more like Julie Walters in Educating Rita when she says, affair? What time have I got for an affair? (laughs) But anyway, Alison, you were instrumental in analysing the extracurricular spending and helped my clients cure a whopping £800,000 in adbacks in her divorce settlement. Now, that's no mean feat. Um, Frankly, your attention to detail was second to none. And whilst it's easy distinguishing your Asprey from your Aldi, I think at Pennywise, you have such an encyclopedic knowledge of stores up and down the country that very few of your spreadsheets would end up with a question mark against any of the items. That's so nice of you to say, James. It really is. And I will definitely pass that lovely feedback to the team. So my my next question 
is you only deal, I believe, with high net worth cases. So maybe we could also talk about where you think our service can best help in such cases. Frankly, you are the expert on the cost of living. And you do ferret out your David Austin Roses as likely one-offs. And I know that if you see £2.50 each week to Tesco's, you'll know that it's very likely to be a daily newspaper. I think, Pennywise, you market yourselves as experts in lifestyle analysis. And from my point of view, you do exactly what it says on the tin. In big money cases, it's of such importance to have someone on the team who can gather the facts quickly and without the need to refer back to the instruction solicitor or the client to work out what an item of expenditure is, to prepare the schedules and to present the evidence in such a user-friendly manner as you do so that practitioners, clients, and most importantly, judges can readily understand what's being put in front of them. So it's an incredible service that you do, Alison. Thank you. It's actually fascinating for us to hear feedback from you because we tend to do a project and a budget and then it goes off and we never hear what the outcome is. But I do know that it has helped in high net worth interim maintenance cases. And of course, we believe that it's really the only way to challenge a budget successfully by going through all the past expenditure. And some people think that this isn't for high net worth cases, but I think it is. And I'm really glad that you agree. Yeah, I I think that even in some of the middle money cases, you can be really useful in helping with interim maintenance applications, for example, and for challenging unrealistic income needs budgets. And in some cases, it's actually quite important to look back quite some way over the course of the marriage to see what the historic cost of living has been, particularly where, for example, um, there's been a major change in spending in a short period of time prior to the divorce. Well, yes, I, I, I agree. And that's why sometimes we're asked to analyse the spending prior to separation. So both pre-separation yeah. and post-separation to see where the spikes are and, and whether there's been a upward tra- trajectory in the spending. And anyway, so talking about high net worth cases, maybe you could tell us about some of your more complicated cases or perhaps give us an example of one of them. My old boss used to say that I should have impossible cases preferred tattooed on my forehead. I think my first big case was notorious case Wicks back in 1998, which led to the banning of interim lump sums in most cases. And it's still good law. Our client, frankly, had no redeeming features about him. So we had to make sure that the appeal court judges got to concentrate on the letter of the law to win. And we did. Then I did Pierce, that case which is now famous as a template for how to approach capitalization of maintenance after a divorce, in fact, started out quite differently. It was 
a claim brought by Lady Pierce for compensation. And the compensation she wanted was for the fact that her daughters, to whom my client had transferred a lovely Italian villa some years previously, were refusing to let her use it. And she wanted my client to compensate her for her not being able to use it and to get some extra money to spend on equally nice holidays elsewhere. But I suppose probably my maddest case ended up in a seven-week trial. And it started off years earlier with the seizure of my client's hotels at gunpoint by a North African government and a long fight for compensation via arbitration. And my client was supported in this action by the then Prime Minister, John Major, and the then US Secretary of State, Warren Christopher. Now, surprisingly enough, once the money was paid out, the marriage broke down and the wife came after it. It was a long and complicated case, which involved one judge being thrown off the case for some intemperate remarks. But at the end of the first week of trial, agents of the foreign government came to my home to threaten me. And I had to move out into a hotel for a couple of weeks until my house was made safe. Well, Alison, I think I've got plenty of other mad cases that I could talk about, but perhaps we should move on. Well, I, I think so, but I'm sure everyone will be thoroughly ent- entertained by your stories. So I imagine it's quite complicated when cases involve more than one jurisdiction. In those instances, how is it decided which jurisdiction the divorce will take place in? And what is the advantage of filing for divorce in England or Wales? Well, generally, first in time to file does still win the race. But post-Brexit, the law actually says it's really about which is the most appropriate forum for the divorce. You know, where the parties have lived their lives, where the money is, that sort of thing. In England, needs trump all. But subject to that, many cases end up with a 50-50 division of the assets unless there are special circumstances. That's very different from other countries. And I'll just use one example. You said that I do a lot of Anglo-Italian cases. So let's have a look at Italy. In Italy, a couple might have elected for separation of assets upon marriage. Now, if all of the assets are held in the name of one party, then on divorce, the other party could theoretically end up with absolutely nothing. So if they have a connection with England, then of course, the party that is the claimant there would be best off trying to get the divorce done in England. Yes, no, I I see. And of course, I've talked about England and Wales, and some people might not realise that the law is very different in Scotland, isn't it? It certainly is. In Scotland, you'd be hard pressed to get more than three years of spousal maintenance, for example. Gosh, that that is a difference, isn't it? So I like to think that using Pennywise will lead to a fair outcome because we act as impartially as possible. Would you agree with that? 
that it's helpful to have an impartial third party involved? Definitely. I think Pennywise will often be less expensive and far more accurate than using an associate or a trainee to prepare the budget or take care of any analysis of the other party's budget. But even if you're not cheaper, I think the key is accuracy and attention to detail and having the confidence to negotiate with Pennywise on your side can often lead to cost savings in the long run. And because you're looking at facts and figures, I think it inevitably leads to a fairer outcome anyway. Well, that's really great to hear. So finally, a question that I'm going to be asking all my guests is to share what trends they've noticed in the world of family law that the rest of us have yet to find out about. Well, I think no-fault divorce has to be the hottest ticket in town. It's a shame that it only came in here in April 2022, because California has had it since 1969. So I guess our government forgot to read the memo on that. (laughs) It does mean that couples can have what my old boss used to call an elegant disengagement. No attribution of blame. No getting off on the wrong foot by starting with an argument. Clients can do it all online without involving lawyers at all. A second thing I'd say is increased transparency in the courts. And more judges are willing to open up their courts to full media access. The flip side to that is that more couples are going to arbitration as opposed to court as this affords them privacy. But the downside to that is that it has rather led to a two-tier system in which the wealthy can afford the privileges of paying for justice, and those with less money get shunted into a system that, despite all of the best efforts of really dedicated judges and court staff, is not always fit for purpose. Finally, I'd say that the third topic that is quite hot at the moment, is getting the right result on pensions on divorce. I'm on the uh, multidisciplinary pensions advisory group. We're working on the update to our first report on dealing with pensions on divorce. But don't wait for the second report to come out. The first one's pretty good too. And it really is a must read for all divorce lawyers. And frankly, clients If you've got a case which involves um, lots of pensions, make sure that your divorce lawyer has read that report. Well, that's great advice, James. And I know our listeners will find that really useful. This whole session has been thoroughly insightful. And as always, you've been very entertaining as well. James, how can the listeners find you? What's, What's the best way to contact you? Well, I'm at Sinclair Gibson on Lincoln's Inn Fields in London. The best thing is to look me up on www.sinclairgibson.com for my contact details. You can always Google me as well. But I hope that's all very helpful, the things that I've had to say today. And just wanted to say thank you so much, Alison, for letting me come and chat with you today. What a great first interviewee for the Being Pennywise podcast. 
not least because it was nice to be reminded of Pennywise Consultant's successes for James's clients. As to the trends he's noticed in the world of family law that the rest of us have yet to find out about, well, he believes, and I would agree, that no-fault divorce, the process of dissolving a marriage that does not require a showing of wrongdoing by either party, is the hottest ticket in town. He was also keen to prompt people to make sure their divorce lawyer has read the Multidisciplinary Pensions Advisory Group's report, often referred to as the PAG report, on how to get the right result in a divorce or separation for your pension. James helped write the report. I was thrilled that he mentioned how working with Pennywise consultants will often prove to be less expensive and far more accurate than using an associate or a trainee to prepare the budget or analyse the other party's budget. Made our day, that did. I can't think of anyone else who I would have preferred to help me begin my foray into podcasting or who would have had a better contribution to make in the context of what we've discussed today. I have lots of guest speakers coming up in the next few weeks who I'm sure you'll find engaging and whose expertise will be really useful to you. So make sure you don't miss any new episodes simply by clicking the follow button on whichever app you use to listen to Being Pennywise. I know you may have heard this before, but if you could find a moment to leave me a nice review, that would really help people find the podcast. All those people who need to hear the amazing advice we give out. Pennywise consultants work with lawyers, barristers, mediators, financial advisors and divorce coaches to provide an all-encompassing cost-effective service for all our clients. And there's lots more about us on our website, www.pennywiseconsultants.co.uk. You'll find me back here again in two weeks. Bye for now.